This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 5th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The Trump administration has now imposed broad sanctions aimed at Iran's economy, but after granting waivers to continue to allow massive countries, China and India, to continue trading with Iran, it's not clear what benefits the U.S. or its allies will derive from the sanctions. Cato's John Glazer and Emma Ashford comment. When the president announced that uh, he would be withdrawing from the JCPOA deal on behalf of the United States, uh, what was the general response from both Iran and other countries that were a party to that uh, agreement? Well, put aside Iran for the minute, because Iran, the Iranians obviously were pretty unhappy about this, but it's the response of other countries that's been the really interesting part here. So in the run-up to the JCPOA, the Obama administration built this big coalition of states, all of whom agreed to sanction Iran, and in particular to sanction Iranian oil imports, which was a really big deal that hurt the government of Iran a lot, and they ended up coming to the negotiating table. Um, After the Trump administration said they were going to withdraw from the JCPOA, a lot of these countries said, hey, wait a minute. No, we are not doing that again. You know, last time we agreed with you, this time we're not so sure. So we see the Europeans, for example, actually saying they want to keep the JCPOA going, setting up this special payments vehicle to try and shield their companies so that they can actually violate the US sanctions. The Chinese saying, well, we're not going to abide by it. Other countries saying, hey, we need a lot of Iranian oil imports and, and you're not letting us do this. So basically nobody's happy about this except the Trump administration. So in reinstituting uh, sanctions against Iran, the United States is intending to put pressure not just on Iran, but also U.S. allies? Well, the pressure is supposed to be directed at Iran, but the sanctions may uh, target European companies or other companies um, because of the way the United States has insisted on isolating Iran economically. So uh, it's true that sanctions might be imposed on European companies, but I think the the main point of the pressure campaign is Iran. They're trying to change the calculus and behavior of the Iranian regime, and all they're trying to coerce Europeans to do is to stop trading with Iran. There is a sort of a second order effect here though, right, which is that um, in order to pressure Iran, the US is now pressuring European countries and companies. And so over the long run, that's the kind of thing where the Europeans are going to start developing the tools to actually push back against US sanctions. Um, And this is not something we've really seen before. Typically, the US and Europe move in the same direction on these kind of questions. Now they're really at odds and that's particularly interesting. So with respect to oil from Iran, how much of that will remain uh, on the global market? So we're expecting to see a shortfall of about a million to a million and a half barrels of oil coming off of Iran's um, production. That's about, I think, about a quarter of their production. Um, That is actually far less than we had expected. Um, The Trump administration basically over the weekend um, kind of blinked. They'd been saying that they would not issue any waivers at all, that no countries would be allowed to continue importing Iranian oil. Um, Just over the weekend, they said, well, we're going to issue some waivers to these countries. Just this morning, they actually went ahead and announced that eight countries would be allowed to continue importing Iranian oil. And so um, they've actually not taken nearly as hard line a stance on this as it looked like they would a few weeks ago. The markets are actually quite happy about this. The price of oil has fallen because it looks like the impact is not going to be nearly as bad as we thought it was. Uh, These countries, notably China, Turkey and India. Uh, China seems very surprising. Turkey, uh, not as surprising, but surprising nonetheless. 
Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, these governments have put a lot of pressure on the Trump administration and tried to bargain their way into uh, getting these waivers. Um, the flow of oil through the Middle East is incredibly important and from they get direct imports from Iran. China and India are two growing uh, national economies uh, and they use an enormous amount of Iranian oil. And so it was uh, important to them to, to maintain this kind of trade with Iran. The problem now is that, that to the extent that the Trump administration has now succumbed to that pressure to issue these waivers, you know, the sanctions are going to be much – have have much less bite on the Iranian regime. Um, and so now that the sanctions, are, at least on oil, uh, are have some waivers, the, the Iranians will be able to um, uh, export more oil. That's more revenue for the regime. Um, you know, the IRGC, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, will uh, can you know probably go back to its old ways in trying to smuggle oil in the black market to the extent that they can't export it on global markets. And so the regime will continue getting income. It's the Iranian people that will begin to suffer. I think there's also a question here of um, whether this is these waivers are mostly a face-saving maneuver for the Trump administration, whether these countries were actually willing or able to cut their oil imports. So what we've seen over the last couple of months is we have seen some US allies make a real effort to try and get their imports of Iranian oil down very close to zero, the Japanese and the South Koreans in particular. But countries like India, countries like China that are a lot more dependent on Iranian oil, it was just completely not feasible for them to do so. Particularly in the case of the Indians, they import a massive amount of Iranian oil. If they actually cut that to zero, their economy would tank. They would basically have a recession. They have elections coming up soon in the new year. None of this is politically feasible. So the Trump administration um, may be offering waivers purely as a way to save face when other countries would basically say, no, we just can't abide by the sanctions. Going forward, uh, I know the JCPOA was not put to the U.S. Senate. Uh, the Obama administration put in place uh, the fact that the the president would have to recertify every so often the JCPOA based on uh, Iran's uh, compliance with that, and I assume other countries' compliance with it as well. Uh, does this improve the fact that we're imposing sanctions? Does this actually improve the U.S. standing with respect to preventing Iran from developing nuclear weapons? Well, no, I, you know, it's one has to wonder in vain what the Trump administration expects it's going to achieve here with this sanctions regime. Um, you know, if it really cared about maintaining uh, a, a strict limitations on Iran's nuclear program, it would have stayed in the JCPOA. Uh, so, you know, preventing an Iranian bomb, number one, hasn't been a huge part of the rhetoric uh, in, in justification for these sanctions. But number two, it can't be an objective because the JCPOA essentially accomplished that. Um, so, I mean, no, it, this puts Iran not – I mean, Iran is still complying with its terms of the JCPOA. Um, it's still complying long after the Trump administration withdrew. Uh, and it's hoping through these uh, other routes to circumvent U.S. sanctions that European companies will still be able to uh, glean some of the economic benefit inside Iran uh, that it was promised under the JCPOA. But no, we're not closer to preventing an Iranian bomb, nor are these sanctions going to impact the Iranian regime's regional behavior in any serious way. Uh, you know, the other two justifications are regional behavior and, and human rights uh, abuses inside the country. Neither of those policies is going to change in response to these sanctions. Uh, and so the incentive structure here is, is a bit puzzling. Um, 
the 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 key to having sanctions be effective uh, incentivizing towards one direction policy direction or the other is that you give the 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 target country an off ramp uh, here's what you have to do here's what you have to comply with in order to get sanctions lifted and the trump administration hasn't really articulated that in a way that could be conceivably you know acceptable to iran it's essentially capitulate on your entire foreign policy give up lots of sovereignty and then we'll lift these sanctions and so um it's a kind of lost bet going in you know i also want to add just quickly a caveat to that because you're you're right when you say that you know this isn't the path to preventing Iran from getting a nuclear weapon, but I think some of the administration do believe that it is. If you looked at Pompeo's remarks this morning when he announced the waivers, he said, "Oh, the JCPOA wasn't working, and we had to do this." Um, and that obviously flies in the face of most of the evidence. It flies in the face of basically every arms control expert, regional specialist. But it is what the administration is saying, and so it's worth remembering as we talk about this that the Trump administration is just taking an incredibly hard line on Iran here, um, that it is basically the most extreme version of what they could be doing. These waivers are actually very unpopular with the, the base that the Trump administration has been sort of drawing ideas from for these sanctions. Um, and so insofar as they're trying to build a coalition of, of anybody that would actually support this domestically, there's really nobody there. Yeah. So I would actually push back a little bit because it's not clear to me, look, Trump had to fire a number of his highest cabinet officials in order to get some kind of quorum within the administration in support of backing out of this deal. I mean, Tillerson opposed it. Jim Mattis opposed it. Um, you know, uh, his previous national security advisor, McMaster, uh, uh, opposed it. Uh, these So the military intelligence community, you know, insisted we stay in and all this kind of stuff. And so Pompeo may be talking that line, but Trump's motivation for backing out of the real backing out of the deal, I think, was pr primarily the fact that it was a success of his predecessor, and he wanted to have a new deal to say, "I did this." Um, and uh, the substance of the deal itself and of Iran's nuclear program uh, was uh, not material, I think, to the decision to pull out. And although they're justifying it by saying. We want to prevent an Iranian nuclear weapon. The JCPOA didn't do that. Here's a, we're going to impose sanctions again. It seems uh, disingenuous, actually, to me. What of the effect on the Iranian people? You said that this, these are this is a very hard line, and that uh, you know the just regular folks in Iran will be af affected by it. You know, Iranians in general have a broadly Western attitude, do they not? I mean, it seems that uh, naturally the United States would look to uh, people in Iran as, uh, in a sense, allies. Like all societies, there's people in Iran that like the US, there's people in Iran that hate the US. Um, but the fact is that these sanctions, although we're calling them targeted sanctions, they're so broadly aimed at the Iranian economy that they are going to produce widespread economic dislocation. Um, we did see this before with the sanctions and the run-up to the JCPOA. Um, the difference then was, again, that the Obama administration made a lot of effort to make sure that humanitarian channels remained open. So that's allowing people in Iran to import necessary medicine or foodstuffs, things that you absolutely need for humanitarian purposes. The Trump administration, um, again, is taking a very hard line on this stuff. They're making it very difficult for the Iranian people to get these things that are necessary for humanitarian purposes, all of which is probably going to have really bad effects on the population. Um, 
while we try and push towards this policy goal that, as John pointed out, just isn't really there. Yeah. So like I said before, the regime is going gonna, is gonna to feel the hurt of sanctions quite a bit, but they're still getting some oil revenue and they still control a lot of the black market where much of the Iranian uh, economy goes when it's under these kinds of sanctions. The sanctions will undermine the overall economy and that means hurting innocent people. Everyday Iranians will lose their jobs. They'll have less expendable income. Inflation will make it harder to pay for basic needs. Uh, the U.S. sanctions target financial banks and and uh, companies that will make it harder to import food and medicine. Uh, treating hemophilia patients and cancer patients in particular is 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 worrisome. Uh, and so this will put patients' lives at risk. Um, and this kind of collective punishment of a general population. Uh, that supported the Iran nuclear deal, you know, wanted to stay in it, wants greater, uh, better relations with the outside world by and large, um, is problematic if you're actually trying to incentivize and pressure the regime itself. Um, so the incentive structure is all wrong and the Iranian people will suffer and not the regime. John Glazer is Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Emma Ashford is a research fellow at Cato. You can rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>